Welcome, Realm Walkers. My name is Carlin. I'm going to be your host for tonight. I'm joined by my fellow show host, Greg. Hey, yo, how's it going? And I uh, just want to give a special shout out to our show host who's not able to be of us. He has some stuff going on that he needs to take care of. Uh, so, you know, send out all the good feelings, all your thoughts and prayers to Bryce. I'm sure he appreciates it. There will be like 90% less sarcasm and we are the worse off for it. <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty sarcastic in our own right. I've never been sarcastic in my life. <laughs> What's that sarcasm? I, you don't know. <laughs> Fine. How are you doing, Greg? Uh, doing good. Doing good. A lot of schoolwork happening, but I managed to get in some time for some Age of Sigmar lore because there's always time for some Age of Sigmar lore. I f- uh, like. I feel you on the school side. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I just. I this week I have so many little assignments due, and it's not like they're necessarily huge. They're just a bunch. Uh, mine are all big, and luckily I was so excited when I found out one was due a week later than the other one that I'm like, oh good, they're not all due on the same day, so I could just not do that one until later. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's future Greg's problem, but screw <laughs> that guy. Fair enough. Uh, second here. You know, I have to do my uh, ritual because I can't go talking about lore about a uh, cracking one. I always got to crack open a cold one for Sigmar. It's true. Really, it's the way Sigmar would have it. Actually, I'm thinking uh, when I read the Legends of Sigmar uh, books, which they were telling the story of uh, in the old world when he was actually a man, and he did his fair share of drinking, so. Yeah. I mean, he like, probably would still be drinking, but he's like, oh, I got responsibilities now. He's probably oh, still to watch over these realms, so damn it, Nagash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so... Nagash is a reason to drink, if anything. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, anyways, tonight we are doing something a little different. Now, we are covering some short stories this time around. Greg, what's the short story you're covering? I am covering the short story, The Unlamented Arcpostulant of Clan Morbus by David Geimer. Uh, did, did I hear uh, Clan Allah Skaven? Uh, yes, this is a story. It is the Skaven story of electing the Skaven Pope. Oh, nice. And I am covering a, The Garden of Mortal Delights by Robert Rath. It is a book that features, you know, the wonderful timeliness of Slanesh, but it also covers my favorite faction, Sylvaneth. Pretty wonderful. There's even a yes. nod towards Nurgle at one point, but it's only a brief nod. Yeah, so it looks like we're covering our favorite factions today. Yeah, no Stormcast be seen, right? No Stormcast anywhere, the way we like it on this podcast. <laughs> and somewhere out there, Bryce just twitched. <laughs> he knows. He knows. All right, well, Greg, how about you start us off? Because I'm uh, I'm really kind of curious about all this Skaveny craziness. All right, so uh, let me pull up the... Because I have to look at that friggin' title. It's so hard to remember. Yes, so the unlamented arc postulant of Clan Morbus. Uh, Morbidus. Sorry. I love the title. It is such a Skaven title. So some background information before we actually get into the story. Uh, Clan Morbidus is, at the time of this story, one of the great Skaven clans. They're up there with uh, Skyr, Pestilens, uh, Verminus. 
Uh, they're not on the tabletop, but they are like a, a, an important faction in the lore at the time of this book, at the very least. They would consider themselves to be so. But that's kind of a Skaven thing where everybody thinks they're the most important. It's true. They are a faction that follows the Great Corruptor aspect of the Great Horned Rat. So they are a clan that is very similar to Clan Pestilence in that they uh, have a lot of plague priests. They have like a lot of spiritual worship when it comes to how they handle their um, sort of their like faction or their clan's uh, politics. In this story, we follow a few characters as they try to ascend to what is called the Arcpustulant, which is more or less Skaven Pope for the clan. <laughs> and it's very similar, in fact, to uh, <laughs> the election of the Pope, as we'll get into uh, as we read. So the first character we're introduced to is known as Radigan, Radigan Borkus. Uh, he is currently the Malfeasant Superior of the Church of the Gnawing Ruin. He, they are one of the more powerful churches. They are Their church oversees Skaven in both the realms of metal and death. He has a underservant who will be very important, uh, an underdeacon who will be very important later called um, Makulit. And uh, Borkus is very wealthy. The book opens with them describing his vestments. There's almost no gnaw holes in it. It is gleaming with jewels. He has tons of servants putting on rings. And it's just to make all the other priests, plague priests, jealous. Uh, because he, at right now, has ambitions to become the Archpustulant at the upcoming election of the new Archpustulant. And after he becomes Archpustulant, there's a just a clause length from the uh, primacy of Clan Morbidus, and then he even thinks that he could get a saint on the Council of Thirteen. So he's got big, lofty ambitions of of moving up. Yeah, the Council of Thirteen, that is big, lofty ambitions. Oh, yes. So uh, it, it, and, and it, it should be noted that in this scene, this opening scene, as he's putting on all of his remnants, he's asked by his underdeacon, oh, you know, why do you wish to ascend to Archpustle? And like, is it because of the, 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 desire to become, you know, a good religious leader to lead us properly. And uh, in response, he grabs one of his servants and throws him out a window and says, it's because I could do whatever I want to whoever I want and nothing could stop me. And that's our intro. And that is our uh, introduction to our first main character. Following up, we meet uh, Haskrable the Blind. He started off as a Skaven of no particular significance. However, from a young age, he was racked with a fever that had so thoroughly racked his body, he had lost his sight and opened his mind to the great corruptor. And, you know, while he was down in the slave pits, he just sort of began to mutter to himself. And as the Skaven started to listen, they started to realize that Haskribal was like preaching the word of the great horned rat. <laughs> yes. And so very slowly, uh, he began to conglomerate the slaves and he led them in an uprising against the slave masters and continued to gain power and so now Haskribble uh, Has Haskribble or Haskribble I don't I'm going to say Haskribble these Steven names are crazy <laughs> yes Haskribble is sort of the second most likely candidate for the role of Archpostolant directly after uh, Borkus and of course Borkus is none too happy about that now something that's very important is uh, to note that the Last Archpostulant was murdered rather brutally, um, which is pretty part of the course. Most Archpostulants are murdered off relatively quickly as another Skaven attempts to assume their power. However, uh, this couldn't have come at a worse time because 
if they do not anoint another archpostulate now, there is concerns that uh, Clan Septic and Clan Fisic will surpass them and basically kick them off of one of the great council. So it's very important that this uh, election for the next archpostulate happens immediately. So uh, basically all of the dozens and the dozens of, of current candidates for archpostulate go to what is called the Lyceum, which is this gigantic temple to the great corrupter. It was basically gouged out in the center of the blight city of Clan Morbidus. And, you know, there's still claws from the Skaven that dug this temple out embedded in the walls. And there is um, a really rather morbid painting explaining what is known as the final withering or what is supposed to be the, the final victory of the great corruptor sort of painted 16th chapel style on the ceiling. And it is described as such. Visions of the Visions final, of the withering, final withering, withering, as it is, as known, it is known, has been a work, been a work of his of disciples, disciples painted, painted after the Skaven artist's artist death, death using, using his own fluids of his own deceased disease organs. organs. Sigmar, Sigmar dissolved in lightning. lightning. Nagash, Nagash succumbed, succumbed to decay. Alariel withered in a dead forest. Gurungi drowned in the molten metals of his own forge. In a band of painted marble around the lower tier of the dome, the nine gods of order succumbed in hideous and inventive ways to the divine malfeasance of the great four in the band above. While above them all, filling the dome's apex, the horn rat gnawing on the stuff of the mortal realms in glee. So basically the final withering or the, the final truth or the final destination is the great horned rat sitting atop the four chaos gods and below them the nine gods of order slain and murdered and it's just a really interesting painting and um i i it was drawn in the paint and fluids of the original artist uh, after he died yeah that's uh, gross <laughs> there is nothing that's not gross in this book it's all disgusting love it so so this is what I was saying that this was the Skaven Pope. This is a particularly interesting aspect. So when the Archpostulant uh, sort of, uh, when the play priests come to vote for Archpostulant, they will lock themselves inside of the main room of the Lyceum. And when, when the Archpostulant is finally elected by a majority vote, they will feed green vial uh, and canker wood into the furnace. And there's this big, like, giant furnace that is fed by rat ogres and the smog will descend upon the crowds waiting outside um obviously an allusion to the the uh, black smoke uh, white smoke when an actual pope is elected but it's described that those waiting outside to see who the uh, the archpostulant those who are not faithful will all die hideously almost immediately but the faithful will be spared so <laughs> when the archpostulant is elected it is brought in not with celebration but with a vile slaughter of all non-faithful around the church you know the skaven way we're finally introduced to uh of our third sort of main character known as gangu kurar so all of at this point all of the uh play priests going for archpostulant arrived and they recognized that dangor kruer who was a, a relatively popular person he wasn't going to they didn't think he would get it but he was popular was not there and we cut to Dangor Kruer, who is also known as the Venerable Kruer, the bile sage of the extripited way. He is basically locked into his own sort of small room, his own sort of lab as he's experimenting. Um, he didn't, and it's described that he doesn't have a church, he doesn't have an army, 
he's sort of a single person. However, something to note is he has been alive for, as the book put it, uh, several hundred years, which is massively long for a Skaven. Uh, yeah. He is a master of concoctions and poisons, and he's, he's always brewing, he's always thinking. And we cut to him as he is murdering a other, another plague priest, and he is brewing over a cauldron of something that he doesn't tell us what it is. But he is basically, he's muttering to himself how all of his plans are finally coming together and everything will be right. And as his, you know, all of his plans are going to come to fruition. And as he's standing over this cauldron as it's boiling, one of his servants come in and say, oh, you know, the 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 Lyceum has uh, gathered. They're about to pick an arch postulant. And he goes, oh, I don't need to be there till recess. They're not going to make a vote for the first time. I'll come in later and I'll just, I'll be fine then. And then we cut away. So he's up to something. We don't know what he's up to right now. And so we cut back to the vote. And Borkus has nine of ten needed votes. And of course, he is unable to be elected because it's nine of ten votes. And there is a big, there is a big fluster and uh, fury. And Hey Scribal, uh, only getting uh, two votes, demands a recount, which was expected. Obviously, nobody the first time through was going to accept the numbers. There was always going to be a recount, regardless of what happened. So they they're going for a recount after much begrudging, and they're going to hold a recess. And uh, during this recess, Borkis eyes uh, another competitor known as Rakitic or uh, Rakitic, and Rakitic's runoff. And Borkis goes, "All right, if I can get him to vote for me, then I can get Archpostulant." So he follows Rakitic down into sort of the bowels of the Lyceum. And he sort of corners Rakitic with his band of cronies. Rakitic has his band of um, cronies as well. And they're having this um, this back and forth between each other. And as they are, you know, they're not currently going to blows. Borkit, uh, Borkus is telling Rakic, oh, you know, you, you're definitely not going to be play, uh, the uh, the Archpostulant, but if you side with me and, you know, once I get promoted, you could get promoted and I could get you all of this, the, you know, money and power, whatever you want. Rakic is not accepting this. He's saying, well, I could be it too. You don't know. And while they're having a um, this back and forth, one of the uh, cronies of Rakic literally explodes as a giant ball of fuming metal hits him in the head and the two turn to see a plague sensor bearer has just entered the room as now Haskribble has decided he is going to join the fray. And if he can't convince the people to vote for him, well, he's just going to remove the competition. That being Rakic and specifically Borkis. So now the three are, are battling it out in the dungeon. Which is, of course, strictly prohibited. You're not supposed to be fighting each other within the walls of the Lyceum. But uh, rules can be bent as long as you're not actively involved and, you know, you don't get caught. That's you know, Rules are merely suggestions to the Skaven. It's the Skaven way. So as they're fighting, Borkis gets over to Rakic and, you know, sort of tells him, oh, you know, we can work together and we can still do this. And he turns back to face Haskribble and then Rakic leads over Borkus and just says, who said I can't win Archpustulancy on my own as he stabs Borkus right in the back. And Borkus is taken out of the fight as he drops to the floor. And, you know, as this is happening, 
finally the sort of uh, Lyceum's guards come in, which are these huge hulking warriors, and they're just taking everybody out indiscriminately. And finally, they're able to break up the fight. So, yeah, so they, they, the, the guards have made it in. Borkus is lying on the floor. Rakich is standing over him, gloating. And then Borkus mutters a prayer. And then from his, like, from his mouth, uh, just this f- stream of bile shoots out onto Rakich in his dying moments. And this bile is absolutely acidic. And it melts Rakich from the bottom of his jaw to his chest. And it says, uh, the description is his chest and his, like, the, his jaw to his chest were dissolved in an instant, but everything else above that took a little longer to die. So... Lovely. <laughs> yeah, so Borkus has killed Rakich. He's grievously injured. He's dying. However, he is managed to be saved. And as they get back into the, the, the main lyceum and they're about to do the recount, all of the people are standing around High Scribble, because Haskribble has said, oh, it was me who killed Rakic, and it was me who injured Borkus. I am clearly the superior Skaven. And all of the people in the hangers-on are now going to him because they see their chance to back him to get power. And Borkus is sitting there stewing, but he, he knows it's not always about a single vote. Borkus goes, all right, I've lost today. Haskribble will be elected Archpostulant, but he's blind and he's... You know, he doesn't have power. He doesn't have money. He's just an upstart slave. By the end of two weeks, he'll be gone. And so Borkus says, I'll play the long game. I'll wait. I'll get my chance again. Two weeks tops. <laughs> and they're about to go for their vote. And finally, Kruer enters. And he says, I would like to have a chance to speak to the floor. And everybody is kind of up in arms about this. They're like, we're just, we want to recap. We want to vote now. And Kruer says, no, no, it's my right and the sort of grand lectern says it is his right to speak. And he votes, he stands up and he says, everybody who is here, you are now going to vote for me. And there's an uproar like, why would we vote for you? None of us like you. And he says, understandable. However, I would recommend you all vote very quickly because I've just infected all of you with a very incredibly deadly poison. And of course, if you don't vote, uh, there won't be an antidote. And I, of course, am immune because I've done that. So there's this massive fear as as people start coughing up blood and it cuts from there. And we see Malakut, the underdeacon, is standing outside of the door and they're waiting and they say, it's been a really long time since everybody has gone in. And, you know, should should maybe we check? And there's a bunch of the lackeys say, oh, no, we can't do that. If we check, we'll get beaten because obviously we're not supposed to be in there. And Malakut's going, yeah, but it's strange. I really feel like we should take a look. And they go, well, if you want to look, you you open it. You take the responsibility. He says, I suppose. And he opens the door very slowly, and it's just a scene of carnage. The Every single plague priest is dead on the floor. And there's nobody to be seen. Kruer obviously can't be elected because there's nobody to elect him. So he's left. And Malakut just stands there and says, well who who will be archpostulate now and from the back of the crowd somebody says i nominate malakut and that's where we end wow so be all and end all as we basically see this story of a bunch of skaven and their politics for power which ultimately leaves all of them dead and nobody is the victor and (laughs) you know all things considered 
a relatively standard and somewhat boring election, if you think about it. <laughs> Just got made so much more interesting than Skaven. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is exactly the kind of power struggles that Skavens engage with. It's all mm-hmm. about, like, just getting whatever you want. There is nothing that matters. You know, these are priests, but for most of them, it doesn't matter. Haskribble, <laughs> most of them are just here for power or money. Borkus is absolutely just this wealthy individual who wants to try to steamroll over the clan. He doesn't even care about the clan. He's just seeing it as an opportunity to obtain power. Haskribble maybe cares more, but he just seems to be sort of a, an unhinged individual. Yeah. I really liked uh, how you kept on making, or in the beginning, kept on making references to like electing the Pope and everything. And yeah, I definitely saw that as we went through. Oh yes. And then we kind of developed it further. Awesome story. Yes, it's it's a great little story. There's so many more like little details in there that I obviously didn't cover, like um, something that people might not know. Every Skaven believes very strongly that like, and they bring it up a lot in this, that their final destination is to be consumed by the great horned rat so when you die your soul goes to the great horned rat and you are consumed but part of the reason why people want things like the arch pustulancy is if you are great enough you don't necessarily you will not be eaten by the great horned rat if he likes you enough you can just not be eaten so part of the reason that the skaven want this power is because obviously they don't want to be food and it's it you know it's an insult that they like throw at each other it's like oh be consumed or along those lines and they you know they're describing how every single like individual here is like super malformed and uh covered in pustules because of the the pure sickness that enrages them and they also something that i actually learned from this is that the way that the skaven uh, that the um great horn rat kind of operates is that he has sort of a a segmented personality and each of the different Skaven that worship in a different way worship like a different one of those personalities. So that's why, you know, the Skaven clans operate so differently. It's because each one is is worshiping the Great Horned Rat, but they're worshiping a different aspect of the Great Horned Rat. So Clan Pestilence worship the Great Corruptor specifically, who is the, you know, this god of disease and decay. And that was very interesting to learn about. That's cool. Yeah. No, I really liked it. Um I want to love to read on my own in my own time, but yeah, no, it's an excellent little story. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Now let's read uh, your story. Yeah. The Garden of Mortal Delights. Um, so there is actually a little bit that to start off with, I'm going to read verbatim. So let me get started. Arise, arise all ye spirits, all ye spirits. Arise, arise in the soul, in the soul glade. glade. O children of the Everqueen, what doth thou see? A uh, foe host, host has come, has come bearing, bearing ember and axe blade to poison the water and butcher the tree. Armor of ore, they have pillaged from the mountains and pelts like a fur torn from unwilling beast. They come hence with demons, both fair and befouled, and ecstatic moans on the lips of their priests. Grant them bitter welcome with stone swords and claw root, with borrowed earth arms do we strike the first blow. And soon, and soon we shall lay, we shall these, lay gifts these gifts back into back the soil, soil, all slick all with, with nourishing, nourishing blood, blood of the foe. Of the foe. Hold, fast, Hold fast, forest children, children. the mirrored one cometh. He cuts he down our kinfolk, blades thick with, with sap gore. I weep at the sound of your pain song and your fear dirge, and reap lamentary to sow you once more. Hold fast, he comes. He comes, hold fast. Do not break the song. And then we kind of start with this branch, which her name is Wild Curdwen. 
And she, at that moment, had her one of her claws kind of in a dryad root. So dryads being the main battle line of the Sylvanath. And she had pulled it out because she was just hearing this memory. And it was just getting to her, driving her emotions mad. And basically it's saying that even a year later, it still echoes, the song echoes to her, but all the people she had failed. She is standing inside this garden with all these dryads, but these dryads are headless. Uh, and there seems to be like these little bits of roots trying to grow, but they're clearly being snipped and trimmed down. And it, half the dryads' bodies are stuck into the ground. There are no other real life there. It's just the dryads and her. And there are these ripe fruits and such on the dryads. And clearly what had happened was someone had put seeds inside the dryads' bodies. And because the dryads, being a part of the Sylvan, were able to give so much nourishment to the seeds and help them grow faster and richer and more like, like juicier and bigger than regular fruits would be. And the dryads are still alive. They're twitching and they're trying to regrow, but they're being kept from doing that. Then the branch which kind of looks around and she sees torches from warriors patrolling the battlements of these walls all around the garden. And kind of put, and uses these words. It was not a prison. It was a pleasure garden. And then we go to an our character who is just starting off by stuffing his face of this fruit with red juice running down his uh, lips and cheeks. Uh, he is just gorging himself on this food. And there's this concubine who's just wiping away the uh, juices from his chin and everything after he's done eating each individual thing. And it, it shows that this guy, whose name is Revish, the Epicurean, he, that he's just living for uh, pleasure. He is just wanting the pleasure of eating food. And it's describing that he has been worshipping Slanesh for so long that he's starting to mutate. Uh, that he, his tongue just starts splitting. And he had it starts splitting so he has two tips and just starts splitting again so he has a third tip and to celebrate this so he's able to enjoy the taste of food that much more he had sacrificed a couple prisoners to thank Slanesh for all this wondrous uh, joy that he's been given and sometimes uh, he will go about with these prisoners that he has and he'll feed them various different foods he's interested in specifically mentions this one prisoner who's fed spiced cream for weeks and then he ate that prisoner, eating his liver because it was now spiced up and flavored. You know, wonderful Slanesh stuff. Mm. Good old Slanesh. Got to get my flavor, you know, the prisoners seasoned just right. It mentions that he goes through uh, cooks and such fairly quickly because they all tend to go mad because of his culinary desires. Don't feel like that was on the job application. Like, <laughs> Look, yeah. I, I'm going to ask for some weird shit, but just... Just, I'm going to pay you a lot. And then I'm probably going to eat you as well. Yeah, he used, uh, Revish used to be super into battle. He used to find so much pleasure in that. I uh, used to find pleasure in sex. He used to find pleasure in all these other things. But over time, it became that he just couldn't find pleasure anymore. Right? And he found that satiating his appetite with all these, you know, wonderful culinary desires uh, were the things that actually ravaged his pleasure senses. And so that's why he started kind of going more experimentational, more and more about it. And anyways, he is sitting, you know, enjoying his meal. And one of his warriors, a warrior named Sibboleth, who is, I believe, one of the demons, is just waiting for him. And he tells her, okay, you're allowed to speak now. I finished my meal. 
and she brings forth this uh, prisoner uh, from the Pleasure Gardens. It was a man who had it kind of disturbing. He had literally had this uh, padlock. Uh, the way how they describe it, it almost seems like it's drilled through the like bones above your teeth and below the teeth and put a padlock through it so he couldn't open his mouth. But this person had broke the rule and the rule was that he wasn't allowed to eat from the pleasure garden. He was there to uh, collect the fruits and everything for the guy. And it's apparent that he can open his mouth ever so slightly. So he tries to defend himself, but he can't really make words. But his mouth is open, able to open just enough that he's able to eat food. And they're like, um, yeah, that's an issue. And Revish looks to his side and he asks, um, is this true? Did he eat my fruit? And this uh, branch, which we got introduced to, uh, Wild, uh, she comes forward and is like, yeah, yeah, it's true. And she's like, but he was a good gardener. And the guy's like, no, he ate from my fruit. And he throws an axe at the guy's face, basically splitting his head in half. Overreaction much? I don't know. Yeah, he ate my food. That was mine. I'd do the exact same if somebody stole like my McDonald's fries. They're just lucky I don't usually have an axe with me. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so the after doing this, Sybil is like, you know, we should uh, go forward. Uh, the ships are going. We should go forward and conquer. And it, basically the way how she starts talking, it makes it very clear that this is one of the, the Seekers sub-faction of Slanesh because she makes clear that she's trying to find Slanesh. She wants to find him and, you know, set him free from his prison. And he's like, yeah, you know, maybe eventually soon. And just seems to kind of ignore that. Says we'll speak later. He grabs the arm of the branch witch and uh, leads her forward. It kind of makes clear that she's been here for a while. She's been tortured a bit. Her one leg is has been regrown funny because it was chopped off and then he forced the regrow back through a corkscrew. So it, yeah, not the most pleasant to walk on. Uh, makes her a little slower and she's wearing this collar like iron collar that's starting to rust a bit so clearly she's a prisoner of him but he fascinates her uh fast sorry fascinates uh, him a lot and he wants to keep her around because clearly she's uh bringing forth these wonderful culinary desires that uh he enjoys so much uh-huh. And right before, actually, with the guy they executed, he asks uh, specifically, like, after he killed them, he's like, okay, so would uh, you like his uh, blood and his body for the garden? She's like, uh, it'll make the fruit bitter. He's like, okay, fine. And he's like, feed it to the pigs. So, you know, waste not, want not. Yeah, pigs are to eat. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it kind of then talks about how this all happened. Essentially, he and other slash people were fighting through the forest of Gairan and was getting to her. Basically, he was cutting down dryads. She was trying to defend herself. Uh, he had cut down the branch witch. And after that, the dryads kind of went quiet. They stopped fighting as aggressively. And the branch witch started units that usually are the ones who kind of are the caretaker of the dryads and the ones who were able, like rule-wise, are able to summon them. Mm-hmm. So, And that's when he captured all of them. But he had the plants for his garden already, so he took them and planted the dryads, removing their heads into the garden. He took her as basically a caretaker of the garden lots of ways because she was able to keep it growing uh, richly. As Revish and Wilder are traveling through the castle, 
Uh, he can hear the sounds of some of his warriors who had caught the guy who stole his fruit enjoying themselves with some of the ladies I guess they have around. And I kind of like this. Uh, Revish says, my man gets a reward. Everyone will, will want to catch a thieving, uh, thieving menial now because they can just enjoy the sexual pleasures. And she's like, well, don't you don't you visit there? He's like, yeah, I, I regularly do. And she's like, well, that must have many children. The life blesses. He's like, I have no children. She's like, well, isn't that the point of sex? He's like, well, sure. Are you sterile? And he's like, no. Uh, I, at the point of the act is not to produce children. It's to enjoy the pleasures of it. And she's kind of confused by this, but it's like, okay, fine. It seems like, I like how much, but it's uh it seems like a lot of work for a little result. <laughs> and yeah, uh, children would distract from the pursuit of pleasure. She's like, okay, fine. I don't get it, but fine. And so they step out into the garden and he sees the pleasure garden. He sees all the fruits and everything. And one of the bushes that fruit, like the berries and such that it seemed like one of the guys was eating from was by and he took he asked her if he could have one he took the berry and enjoyed it the sweetness of it and she mentions that you know this is the season for berries uh, soon they'll be all ready for picking and he's like perfect this is good news you know soon i can ravage my desires and enjoy the sweet juices of the berries and he goes forward kind of looking through the garden seeing how they are and enjoying kind of the fruit of his madness she's kind of just watching and she mentions that that he has something or she has something that he wants to show Revish. And she goes forward into kind of this little underground kind of little nook that she has kind of dug out. And she brings forward this round kind of what looks like a giant seed. And it basically it becomes clear that this is one of the Sylvanus soul pods. He looks at it and she's like, you know, you say you don't have children, but this isn't true. This is a child that you helped make with me. Find that, you know him giving her the soils everything that she needed for the gardens and everything let her create the soul pod and says you know this is your child and soon uh, they'll be born and they will be a combination of slanesh and sylvanath mm. yeah seems like a interesting combination uh-huh just a wee bit and he you know he takes this and he goes to inside so he's sitting down uh, in his private chamber and Sibleth uh, visits Revish. And she's like, "I, you know what? I told the fleet to prepare. We need to get going. We need to find Slanesh. Kind of looks at her and is like, this is both disturbing and kind of funny. He holds it a plate to uh, Sibleth and he's like, candied lips, freshly severed. Oh, why Slanesh got to be like that? Why Slanesh got to be like that? <laughs> why, I don't like it. <laughs> you know, think you first think candy lips, the actual candy. No, the no, just, <laughs> no, they are candy. They are they are sweet. I'm certain that they are very well prepared. And if you were to eat those lips, they'd be the tastiest lips you ever damn well ate. But those are ugh, why Slanesh got to make me say words like that. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, okay, well, we need to start sailing out in two weeks because uh, the rivers will be full. We need to hit the dream the next uh, realm gate so we can see if we can find Slanesh there. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I have an alternate plan. We sail north to the certain peninsula. We garrison this castle, prepare to cut off the southern half of the area and take this castle in the name of uh, Slanesh. She's like, but that's the uh, 
Nurgle uh, portion of Gairan, why would we want to turn on him? It's like, yeah, well, how off, how better to honor the Prince of Pleasure than give him a place in this realm? She's like, uh, we could honor him by finding him <laughs> and setting him free. Nah, pretty much what he says. And then he just, it becomes very clear to Sylvia that he just doesn't seem to have any interest in going out and doing really all that much. She's like, well, you know, I, I've seen this before. We've seen our dark prince for a long time. Certain sensations stop stimulating over a while or after a little while, you know, your feeling of the hunt of going to kill people and such doesn't give you as much pleasure, but don't worry, it will come back. Don't be disdained from it just because food is giving you pleasure now. And then he kind of looks at her and like, you know, the branch with a suggested alliance between Slanash and Sylvaneth. If we uh, work with her, we'll uh, take this continent back from Nurgle and have it in the name of Slanesh. It's like, there's no way the plant will ever convince the Everqueen to work with us. And he's like, well, even if the Everqueen doesn't, we don't need her. We can grow our own army. She has a soul pot. She has a child of mine. We can raise our own uh, race of Slanashi dryads. We would control the land literally and completely. And Sibyleth is like, wait, what? You, know, you used to be a conqueror. You're not a farmer. Why would you want to do this? Don't you remember what you used to be? You used to revel in killing things and blood and you know, eating the various people you captured. You used to be a warrior Slanesh. What is this? And he kind of looks at, or she kind of looks at Revish and she's like, the branch rich is manipulating you. This clearly isn't right. You know what? If she isn't actually manipulating you, she will let you eat the soul pod. Mm. You don't have to eat the soul pod. But if she isn't actually manipulating you, she will give you the soul pod and let right away without fighting you about it and let you eat it. Because otherwise, you know, she is manipulating you. Don't uh, claim it hasn't occurred to you, Ravish. Don't you want to eat a soul? See what it's like to eat a soul? Go eat your kid. That's the thing that kind of triggers him and makes him go, you know what? Let's try this. Let's let's go for it. And yes. so Revish and Sibyleth and a whole bunch of guards go into the garden, you know, and they go forward and walk towards her. And she's like, wait, what? Why are you doing? I, we have a pact. You're not allowed to bring your guards in here. You're not allowed to bring these warriors. Disturbs the garden. And he's like, he just looks at her and the soul pod, I wish to eat it. And she's right away like, uh, no, uh, you why no why why would you want to consume soul pod it's like i want to see how it tastes and she looks right away towards sibyleth and it's like this is her doing she's turned against you or turned you against me hey he just kind of continues looking at her give it to me i will not sacrifice the future for today's pleasure and he starts uh, nodding towards his warriors and they start chopping on the dryads and one the minute uh, his axe chopped into it right, there's basically this large emotional like scream that happens. It isn't like a sound per se. It pierces deeper than a sound would. The Even though these are hard and chaos warriors, they all step back and start kind of wailing as well with it, kind of trying to cover their ears because of how intense this is. Uh, the branch witch is on her knees crying because of the pain feeling the dryad die from the axe and Revish grabs one of his axes and it's like you know what? I'll, I'll do the next one myself and she's like no no okay okay fine you can have the soul pod so she hands it to him he looks at it sees the reflection of his face and he sees the thing moving around inside and he bites into it 
kind of describes as a rubbery sur surface. And he feels the gooey interior, the interior flood into his mouth. Tasted of bitterness, of dirt and such. And it bit him back. Oh no. <laughs> Plot twist. Baby eats you. <laughs> in Soviet Russia, baby eats you. <laughs> in, in Slanesh, in Slaneshi culture, babies eat you. <laughs> and basically... a... There you go on. I was gonna say uh, this the... is the baby we had to uh, to get to fight the corn eaters, the corn baby eaters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, these uh, mandibles start biting at his face, and there's these little coils of his body starts wrapping around his throat. You know, whatever emerged from the pod was trying to kill him. And one of his chosen warriors uh, stepped forward to grab it, and it jumped away from Revish. It launched itself at the chosen warrior, and it burrowed him itself between the pauldron and the warrior's helmet, so getting right in between the cracks into the man's throat. And blood starts fountaining high off him as he's like trying to scream. It's gurgling and you know, a whole bunch of wonderful bloody nastiness. Mm -hmm. Other chosen start dashing forward, uh, trying to stomp at the warrior's body. It's fallen or slashing. I tried to stop whatever this thing is. The thing uh, crawled out and quickly like burrowed into the ground. And it starts saying, This is one of the branch, which is grubs. One of the worms they have kind of usually around them. To help them fight, and one that uh, Revish had killed before, she essentially had regrown a new one, yet pricked Revish. Mm -hmm. And she starts running uh, through the garden right away, and he gives chase. She's like laughing as she's run, running, and it's she's trying to trigger a song with this laugh, and she starts taking her proper form. So as she's running, uh, parts of her bot like bark and everything are breaking off because she had been pretending to be a lot younger than she actually was. She basically had morphed her body to look a little more sensual, like a, a basically a young woman in a lot of ways to catch his attention that much more rather than her true form. Mm -hmm. So as she's running, she starts uh, aging up in a way. Her body's kind of described as looking like an autumn hag. <laughs> you know? with uh, dry leaves and such. And even she breaks off the broken leg or the uh, morphed leg that she has and it quickly uh, regrows a proper leg. She purposely been drying it out. And she continues singing her songs and the dryads start reacting to it. They weren't, you know, sentient per se, but they reacted to the song and kind of her words. They start grabbing at his chosen warriors and literally, it, one of the ones crowd chosen warrior uh, held it close to it, and their dryad turned around and stank its claws into the warrior's chest repeatedly. Yeah, doing a job of uh, killing off these guys. Mm -hmm. Doing it up. Just doing it up. And Revish is hacking his way through. The dryads are trying to grab at him. And she uh, starts uh, realizing. There's a very fast warrior of Sybilis chasing after her as well. Mm -hmm. And she kind of stops for a moment and takes the collar that's around her neck and just breaks it off. And the warriors are all looking at her like, wait, what? How'd you do that? And basically the book or the story mentions that they had, are really close to a salt ocean or a salt water ocean. 
And because of the humidity of that, there's salt in the air and kind of eroded away at the iron. So it allowed her to slowly rust it away and then snap it at this moment. You've been playing the long game, honestly. Like, I don't... If, uh, <laughs> Slanesh people not exactly smart if they thought that Sylvaneth was going to, like, side with them, honestly. Mm-hmm. And kind of showing the magical witchness of her, uh, one of the warriors, like, charged at her and she grabbed... Basically, a little totem that he had around his neck, something of personalness. And I'm not sure, they don't really give much depth of it, but it basically describes it being made of bone. And she looks at him, takes the bone totem, and snaps in her finger. And his neck just snaps and he drops down to the ground. You know, just a little witchiness. Mm-hmm. And then she runs into the castle. She knows her bitter grub's still alive because she's able to see through his eyes. So she's able to see all these warriors running and chasing after her. She sees the purple streak of Sibyleth uh, twisting and sliding through the forest with all the dryads trying to grab at her. While uh, smashes through the doors, uh, goes into the tower, she starts kind of running up and trying to find a way out. So she's running up and she starts hearing a song from the dryads and Sylvaneth and she starts joining along with it. And the song is... Arise, all you spirits, arise from your slumber. O children of the Everqueen, come to my call. From the ditch moat and hog pen, come make thee a war host to burn their black sea, uh, sea steeds and crumble their walls. And at the base of Revish's private tower, the ground began to churn and sink. And basically roots start spearing up from the ground and dryads are rising up. And this is a little outside the castle. And I forgot to mention early in the story, they mentioned that whenever at night, he always has his chamber pots emptied. Inspect it first just to make sure there's no poisons or anything because he doesn't fully trust the dryad and empty it outside his tower. So from his refuse, all these dryads and such are rising up. So, you know, both our stories make use of bodily fluids in some way, shape or form. Oh, God, why is got to be like this? <laughs> grand, grand when granddad when granddad uses poop it's funny because he's like ah <laughs> the nurglings farted and it's funny and it's cute slanesh is like yeah i fucking you what about that scat fetish though and i'm like slanesh please and yeah so the dryads are climbing up the tower to get into the castle oh no and she uh, looks at him and is like welcome sisters and suddenly uh, she looks up and quickly jumps back because Sibylith is starting to attack at her. And she doesn't have her, the usual weapon that ranchers have, which is their scythe. So she is starting, she's doing her best to like dodge this fast moving Slaneshi warrior. Mm-hmm. And then she starts running, uh, running along a parapet with all the energy she can put into it. And then she starts singing our song. The mirrored one lives. lives. Claim revenge, my sisters. sisters. Cut Cut down in defense of our twice-hallowed glade. The foemen sit sit idle in in unguarded chambers. chambers. So bring forth a talent and bring bring them the the blade. blade. Mm. So, you know, just encouraging that war song, getting the tempest of war going on with all the Sylvanas. Yep, everybody get ready. We're going to fuck up some Slaneshi shit right now. Exactly. Uh, and then she's running and running, trying to get through doors. She's hearing the uh, Sibyleth uh, say to her, run, little witch, as she's chasing after her. And then Kurdwin, uh jumps from this one area 
aiming for the manure area of where the hogs are. Remember how the one guy was eaten? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. This is a story, all right. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have to remember who got eaten. Like, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I like this story because there is those little callbacks. But yeah, she uh, lands there, kind of singing a song. Or as she's about to land, she lands on this hard surface and grabs on an antler. And what's very clear is being grown out of the, you know, refuse of the hogs, is a tree lord. You know, the mm-hmm. big, big, huge savannah units. And more or less, it explains that she'd hidden the biggest soul pod inside the uh, man who ate the berry earlier because uh, she put it inside the berry and made him uh, eat it. Oh, that's why he got eaten. Mm-hmm. That's why she must have made his mouth so uh, close so that he couldn't uh, say well, anything. Well, it's actually part of the reason why he it was actually open because the mouths are padlocked shut. But she basically helped them open it up a bit so she was able to give them one of the berries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But he still wasn't able to talk because it was just open just enough. All right. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. And so the tree lord uh, helps uh, her fashion a wall. And Sybilis is like, uh, shit. <laughs> and Wild just kind of looks at Sybilis and is like, you were right. I am trouble. And so True Lord uh, starts uh, attacking Silith, and Silith more or less says peace out and runs away. And they they try to find Silith later on, but they say no, she's gone, and the ships are gone too. So it's clear that she goes forward with her plan of looking for Slanesh. Mm-hmm. But Revish is still alive. Revish kind of goes into his main chamber with Smash Wall, and he's like cutting his way through all these dryads and trying just to find out what the hell is going on. And he sees there's dryads everywhere. There's a tree lord standing there. And there's wild. All this time, she'd never given his full name. And she looks at him and is like, my name is Wild Kirdwin. We, Sylvanas, don't like to use our names too often. And I really don't like to give it to Warriors of Chaos. It's like, well, you bitwitch me. You bet me sweets, keep me docile. You promised me children. She's like, did I not deliver? Sweeping her hand around. And explains that, all this time, uh, the food and such that he's been eating, she's been putting small soul pods in because they come in all shapes and sizes. So all the fruits and everything he's been eating in the garden, he's been eating the soul pods. And of course, when he uh, had his bowel movements and such, oh, it was all the soul pods. And so when they chucked at the window, they were able to land on the ground and sink in, just like the giant tree lord soul pod. And she's like, yeah, so these are all your children. They came of both you and me. Ugh. And and they became an army that grew under your nose and you didn't even realize it. I mean, that's really playing the long game. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, they basically hinted that she had been trapped there for probably a year or two. So, yeah, and he's like, and now she's prepared to kill him. And he's like, no, 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 please, I, I can be a partner of yours. I can keep clear of your woods and be a good steward. It's like, hmm, a good steward. A good steward deforests this island to build his docks. This good steward diverted a river to build his fortress of pleasure. This good steward looked at us at nothing but foodstuffs. So, you know, clearly not too amused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at your resume and I don't think it really uh, is what we're looking for with this particular position. Yeah. 
And to close it out, it starts saying, it was known on the map as Hermit Island, but for as long as folks can remember, the island of the Jade Kingdoms have called it Witch Isle. Deep forests covered it, but if you go through, you can find a broken down castle. And inside the castle is this huge oak tree. There seems to be a crystalline armor halfway swallowed in the bark as melting into wood. Long ago, it said a warrior died leaning against the trunk. Over the long centuries, the tree grew around him, devouring and digesting him over the slow ages. Yeah. Off the armor sits the skull, sunken back into the bark. Jaw hangs open, they say, as if in a centuries-long scream. <laughs> uh, that is called ironic punishment right there. And that is Garden Horde of Delights. I got this uh, in the Black Library 2020 celebration book, and it's one I loved back then. I was so happy to cover it again. It is mm-hmm. such a good story. Yeah, no, like it's very interesting. It's an interesting pairing too of Slanesh and uh, Sil- the Sylvaneth, because normally the Sylvaneth are paired off with Nurgle, which is a far more yeah. straightforward rot versus nature, but this like weird like excess versus like natural like growth and whatnot and excess like leading to destruction of nature is actually an interesting pair up as well i think and i like how they use actual science you know if we eat seeds like traditionally seeds get spread around from animals when they eat the fruit and everything they eat everything completely and when they defecate they're spreading the seeds around they use that in this story which i really really liked because they use like natural actual elements. You know what? If I was born of my dad's poop, I think I'd kill him too. Like <laughs> just being honest, if I found out, yeah, you're a poop baby, I'd kill my dad too. Oh my. <laughs> but yeah, like it's a good little mix of things. And personally, I love it when they start calling back to the little bits in the beginning. Like, oh yeah, we killed lots of person. Oh wait, there's a reason for that. And I love those little intertwining things. Yeah. Yeah. It it's a good little story and it's a great read and one I recommend people check out if they're like, oh, I want to read that and get a little more of the depth of it because, you know, obviously I skipped a lot of details. It's yeah, a yeah. longer one of the short stories. Yeah, no. Unlike like our full full readings, we skip over a lot of details here to just give you kind of the, the gist of what's going on. So you can go read it for yourself because, you know, all these books are, one, really cheap. They're like five bucks a piece. Yeah. And like, you know. Two. They're great quick reads. Yeah, they're great little quick reads. Uh, absolutely recommend them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them. And I, I think that one's particularly interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope to do more like covers like this. Well, yeah, uh, I 100% want well. to because it's great little war- lore bits and it's nice to break up everything too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, we will get to our next section of Model Watch where we yes. take a look at models and such that catch our interest, whether they're new, old, or otherwise. And it, we are looking at a lot of new models this time around. Now we will mention that a couple of these models are probably a little bit older uh, when this video comes out because obviously it takes some time to edit them and we collect them over the week. So I know a couple of the models on the list here are almost a week old when we recorded this. So they'll be like two weeks when it comes out. But these are unique to us and when we wanted to discuss them. Well, and, you know, even if they've been out, it's still nice to discuss them. Yeah. So here, let us start off with uh, one of your picks, uh, the Venari Blade Lords. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm not sure if these guys are like actually new or if this is just the first time I'm seeing them. Uh, I like them a lot. Uh, I think that they're some of the cool, like, first of all, that banner on their back, the mm-hmm. sort of uh, Japanese style 
um, like, I don't know how, like the samurai kind of banner on the back. I know uh, what you mean, yeah. That is going to be taken off of these guys and kitbashed onto so many Tau, you don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm dead serious, though. Like, that kind of style looks amazing. I really like their helmets. I actually mm-hmm. like the goofy, tall helmets, but I think these ones look really cool as well. The swords yeah. are really cool. The poses are really cool. I'm not I... sure. The one Sorry, in the middle on has... The... Oh, you know, you go. Uh, I was about to say, just on the helmet note, um, I really like that they're keeping unique helmets, the little swivel things on them, because uh, so many people hated the horn helmets, and frankly, I love them, because they're yeah. unique and different looking, and I really like the fact that they kept up with this. I definitely can also agree, like, the helmets for some of the Lunaf are a little goofy, and if you don't like them, that's totally fine. Uh, I think that, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about these helmets. They are relatively perfect. Uh, the little pluf on the little plume on the top, the little filigree on the side, still kind of horn-ish, looks just genuinely fantastic. The two-handed swords, everybody likes two-handed swords. Doesn't matter what your preference of weapon is. You see a dude with a cool two-handed sword, you're like, "That's a cool guy." So I think like these are a really cool unit, and I'm just I'm really sad that I didn't do Lumineth as one of my armies and one day I might like if I'm going to ever collect another Age of Sigmar army from scratch it's probably going to be Lumineth that's fair let's go to the next model and there are one of you uh, won't pick but you actually beat me to uh, Lady Annika the Thirsting Blade Ooh. this is one uh, the nice mix of creepy and almost I would say a little sexy in the vampire note imagine being so extra that your flowing cape needs to be put on an oval base oh yeah <laughs> like they're just a normal ass person but her cape is so long they had to stick her on an oval base and i like that <laughs> yeah i like the fact she's holding like a little mask and everything kind of hide her vampire oh. form i imagine oh yeah because she doesn't have necessarily the prettiest face in the world <laughs> oh no she's a looker I love her. I like all of the new vamp models so much. They are the perfect blend of like arist- like aristocracy and just creepy vampire. Like they don't they don't go too much one way or the other and I really like that. Like the friggin' mile long plume on the fur there is just so good. Yeah. It, it's so many wonderful extraness that just works. And here let's just jump ahead to one of the uh, my pick here with a character, Kritza the Rat Prince. I didn't vote for him. I don't know who this man thinks he is, but he ain't my prince. That's not how monarchy and all that works. Yeah, you're no. not voting in if you're a prince. <laughs> I like uh, the model. I don't like the audacity of him <laughs> calling himself the Rat Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I, once again, continuing the whole extra theme, I love all the giant rat heads on them. And then on the back, it, it doesn't necessarily show it in this picture too much, but it's all these rat tails and such. I yeah. really love it. Um, I'm, it's hard to tell from the picture. I'd have to check an arrow one. I don't think it's an oval base, but still, it's really, really no, cool. No, no, that's, that's absolutely an oval base. Absolutely okay. an oval base. Perfect. Yeah. I love his pimp cane and all that. And just kind of him holding his sword on his shoulder, kind of like, yeah. I, I think the only missed opportunity with this model was making his sword a sword cane. That would have been the only oh. thing I would have liked. Yeah, yeah. It just, it was so close. Because this model's like a nine and a half for, out of 10 for me. And it would have been a 10 out of 10 if his cane had been a sword cane. And the only reason it's not a nine out of 10 is because I can't not see the cane and be like, it should have been a sword cane. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, I do have to say that these two with their like long flowy hair got to go find out the uh, the other vampire lord we saw a while back and give him their product because that man had to use bats to keep his hair flowing. And these two <laughs> just seem to have it on point already. Mm-hmm. And then we have the refreshed brand new hopefully not insanely expensive blood knight calvary because <laughs> the previous blood knights 100 bucks for five of them was ridiculous yeah i don't why why were they 100 bucks what the heck was going on with that i don't actually... i think what they did was they were sold individually in the old world game and then they're packaged together and they just took the package together price and added it all together and like okay cool uh, that's what the price is it must have been what you know what? That must have been the exact same thing with the Acolytes, but they never actually packaged them together. They just left them separate. Uh, uh, no, these look great. These look fantastic. Uh, skeleton horses look awesome. Right off the bat, I'm like, all right, so I could see some uh, intrepid Night Lords players kitbashing uh, these to be like Night Lords on bikes. I always <laughs> just look, I always just look at things from like the kitbash perspective. All in all, though, like, fuck, these guys look great. Yeah, the armor uh, that all the knights have look fantastic. The horse armor looks fantastic. Nice, some good skeleton horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, oh, I just really hope that these guys can be uh, allied with the flesh eater courts because if they can, ooh, I'm buying so many. Well, I don't know. Flesh eater courts are kind of like the outsiders of death. They kind yeah. of hate Nagash, so well, because they're the heroes. They're the true heroes of Age of Sigmar. <laughs> Britonia lives. Here it is. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, and lastly, a 40k model here. The well, actually, we had, a, we had a couple more. You 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 skipped over two before we got in here, but it, it does oh. work out because now we're we're talking about some 40k models because we had well, the okay yeah. yeah yeah. Well, here let's uh we'll go to the Battle Sisters one, and then we'll go up yeah. to it just because yeah. Way I was looking through this, it was yeah the Battle Sisters Castigator. That's Nuns a big with tank. guns. Nuns with guns. Uh, model looks amazing. Uh, I find it weird that there's no flames coming out of the torches on the side. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't model that hard in. I mean, you could easily do it. It's just bizarre to me. I, I don't see a giant piano, so that's an error missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, you make the music with the barrels. Oh, okay, good. Uh, the detail on this is utterly fantastic. It, I, <laughs> this is definitely the best like Land Raider-based model we have. To the point where I barely even think it's like would be considered Land Raider based because this is yeah. just a whole new sculpt uh, yeah. from the ground. And up. the person at GW painted this. Good job on all the edge Ugh. highlighting. So much wonderful edge highlighting. Oh God, this must have been hell to paint, but it was worth it. Came out, came out crisp. Yeah, uh, yeah. This model's fantastic. God, battle sisters of battle have such a good model line right now, and. Like they're really pushing them, and I really appreciate it, especially with things like this, uh, with this model. Yeah, and then we'll jump up to uh, my 40k uh, choice, and you know, all I'd say is this model is getting squiggy a bit. Oh yeah, uh, crap! <laughs> we didn't have the name down, did we? I don't know if they even said the name of this one. It's the orc and the grot that's riding on like a four-legged squig. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm not gonna look it up now. I don't think they actually named it though. But yeah, no, it's it, it's a squig pig thing that they're riding on. It has like this iron jaw thing and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And with the trailer that they showed of this, yeah. it looks like there's a whole bunch of other units that make use of this. And it even looks like there might be getting the squigs from AOS or at least something similar to use as well, which 
why not? Makes I'm sense getting to me. Mad Horizon Zero Dawn vibes oh, from this guy. Yeah. yeah, I can I can get that. Yeah, like the way that they're doing sort of like tech Vikingy kind of thing with some of the way they've drawn like the triangles on there, like Mad Horizon Zero Dawn vibes huh. from this fellow. Person at GW is playing Horizon Zero Dawn. It's like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> it's weird that the squig has four legs. I don't know how I feel about the four legs on the squig. Have they had those in the past? Have we had squigs oh, yeah. with four legs? 100%. Like the uh, gargantuan squigs? No, they have four two. Legs? So they have, they've got... I guess they have, like, the little stubby front legs. But the gargantuan ones still are only on two legs, I think, aren't they? No, you're Hold probably up. thinking the colossal squig. Uh, the colossal squigs have two legs. The gargantuan... And those are for oh, AOS. Oh, the gargantuan, the gargantuan squig, squig off. Yes. Yeah, the green one. Okay. I didn't realize that was a squig. Yep. All right. I stand corrected on that. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, we got some word bearers. Some Forge World word bearers. And they look pretty damn good. I, I like the guy of all the fire. It's weird that they're Forge World, though. They don't feel like Forge World sculpts. No, they look me. like they'd be traditional plastic. Yeah. If they're Forge World, they're resin. So, yeah. If I'm going to be entirely honest with you, I don't know why they're still releasing stuff on Forge World. It just feels like everything should just be coming out through Games Workshop at this point. They like, seem to be lessening the amount of stuff that Fortwood has. So either Fortwood is going to be ex- become exclusively the side game type company, or it will be amalgamated into G- GW these, eventually. These won't. These aren't side characters though. These are hard 40k. Like, yeah, that's fair. I guess I no, no. You're right. They could be 30k. They could be 30k because they did. I, I don't know why. For some reason, I said like was thinking like, oh, there wasn't any word bears in 30ks. Like, no, they were like the first chaos space marines. In fact, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like the sculpts. I think it's weird that they're on Forge World. I'm not a huge fan of Forge World in general because it's just not a. It's expensive, and I don't feel. I don't feel like these sculpts feel like Forge World sculpts to me. These feel like these should be just Games Workshop sculpts and that I should be paying the regular price. Because I look at this and then I go like, look at the Adeptus Sororitas battle tank and that's the same level of detail. So like that's what's just weirded me out with Forge World. It's like the, the de- like for like the, the Primarchs, I guess I get it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't yeah, know. I agree with you. It's kind of funny like how they go of it but in the end whatever i yeah. look forward to seeing people using these i will not use them myself because i don't play chaos space marines but they look cool i'll give them that yep yeah uh, i'm just but trying yeah, to take a look that... and see if there's anything else we might have missed that just came out uh oh it looks like the april uh model for the month has been announced and it's going to be a pink horror and a collectible bellicor coin this month so just a neat little note so go AKA to your is releasing in April. Uh, I don't want to pay for him, but I need to buy him. He's going to be good. Oh, he looks spectacular, right? One day I look forward to getting him. I'm going to be pushing my uh, Warhammer budget with getting Cursed City because I'm guaranteed a copy at my local friendly game store. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. I-, I love my local friendly game store, and I was pretty early off on their list, but... Uh, they only are getting eight copies of the game, and they're like, "Yeah, you're an upper three on the list, so you're fine." Yeah, no, I'm 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 hopefully gonna pick one up when they do like a restock in the future because this is a yeah. box game. I don't expect it to be like a limited release. I expect it to be around for a while. One hundred percent. I 
it's limited release, I think, just purely because of stock issues and uh, production issues and all that. I assume we'll get uh, we'll get more print runs in the future. Yeah, well, Blackstone Fortress they had the main game until the end. It was just the expansions that were a little short. So yeah. I expect it to be the same here. Yeah. So this is going to be an expansion like Blackstone Fortress with uh, with like Curse City expansions on the base game. I imagine there will be. Ah, okay, okay. Because I wasn't yeah. actually sure. All right. Yeah, and they also support Blackstone Fortress like little supplements in uh, the White Dwarf magazine. So I mm-hmm. imagine they're going to do that as well. Like they really supported the shit out of Blackstone Fortress. So I, I don't see why they wouldn't support this the same way. Okay, okay. Perfect. Ah, do you have anything else you want to talk about or is that about nope, it? I think that is it. Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, just want to remind you to go take a look and follow us on Facebook. Uh, share us with your friends. The best way for a podcast to spread is by word of mouth. And we are growing constantly and we want to continue growing because this is a lot of fun in the end. You know, the more people can hear the wonderful word of Sigmar, the more people are playing this great war game. And once we're through the pandemic, more people that hopefully will be playing the tabletops and we'll have more great opponents with. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, share us on Facebook with your friends, like and share our various posts that we have. Uh, if you have any feedback, constructive criticism or otherwise, please leave us a message or comment on our Facebook page. You can also email us directly at realmwalkersaos at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And by listening to us, you are now become Realm Walkers. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we wish you a great night. See you later. See ya.